Amen. Well, the lesson portion of our uh, midweek service, we call this the underground, but the lesson portion of our service is called What in the Word? What in the Word? And that simply is talking about uh, what is going on in our world today, but through God's lens, God's perspective. And we usually take this time to address some of your questions or current event topics that are going on in our world today, but there is nothing more current than the event of the coronavirus, obviously. And so we want to kind of stay in that frame of mind on that particular topic. Uh, Throughout this particular lesson, however, though, if you're online right now watching this and you're able to comment uh, through our live feed, we're going to give you an opportunity to ask some questions. We like to take Q&A at the end of our service Uh, And so we don't want coronavirus to stop that. And so if you're online right now and you have particular questions about today's lesson or anything that's going on in the world that you would like God's perspective on, we want you to uh, uh, put in those uh, questions in the comments section and then we will go through those and we'll pick maybe three or four or so, see how many we can answer in the allotted time that we have. So keep that in mind as you are going through this particular Uh, lesson. Well, for those of y'all who have never been a part of this ministry, you've never been out to Believe Church or to a midweek service, uh, we're currently on a series called Minds of the Mind. Minds of the Mind. And that simply speaks to uh, this warfare that we are in. And the battle that is not only in our mind, the battle that is actually for our mind as well. And that is because we believe through the word of God that whomever or whatever controls our mind controls our move. In other words, Proverbs 23, 7 says this, as we think, so we are. As a man or woman thinks in his heart, so is he, so is she. And so if Satan can get us to think the way he wants us to think, If he can get us to think the way he wants us to think, then he can get us to feel the way he wants us to feel. Then we will do what he wants us to do and we will become what he wants us to become. And then we will accomplish his will rather than God's will being done. So the battle that we have and we face in this life not only is in our mind, the battle is actually for our mind. And so what Satan does and what this series is all about, what Satan does is he simply plants minds in the mind. He plants minds in the minds, and we gave you a few of those throughout this series. We said he places the mind called worry, or doubt, or fear, or failing, or lust, or greed, and loneliness, and hopelessness, and sadness, and depression, and despair, anger, desperation, anxiety, discouragement, pride, envy, guilt, shame, and regret, just to name a few. He plants them, life triggers them, but God wants you to know that he has given you and I the victory over them. And that's the purpose of this particular series. We want you to know the victory, the power, and the authority that you already have in Christ Jesus over the minds of the minds. And so, so far we talked about the mind of worry. We've talked about the mind of doubt. But tonight we're going to focus on the mind of fear. The mind of fear, which I believe is on the minds of many at this particular time. So I want to pray over this particular uh, lesson that God has laid on my heart, and then we will hear from the Lord today. God, we thank you so much for giving us again this opportunity to gather in your name and in your presence, to praise you, to worship you, to call you upon your name, but to also now hear from you, to hear directly from your throne that you may impart to us wisdom from on high, giving us the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of God and of the resources of heaven that you've made readily available to us that we may conquer everything that we are faced with in this life and world and that we may see the goodness and the victory of the Lord even in the land of the living. So we ask, God, at this time you will watch over your word. 
See that it performs and does according to your will and purposes for our good and ultimately for your glory. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in today's vernacular, there are those who like to use the word phobia and place it at the end of uh, several other words. In our vernacular, in our society today, you may hear somebody uh, use the word homophobia or xenophobia or transphobia or transphobic. And I believe that this is a misuse of this suffix because phobic doesn't mean disagreement. That's not what phobic means. Phobic means fear. Phobia is fear or phobic means to have fear. And to fear is simply to believe in the impending danger of someone or something that will cause you pain or suffering. That is what fear is. Fear is the belief of the impending danger from someone or something that would cause you pain or suffering. That is what fear is. That is what a phobia is. And we can fear anything, including fear itself, according to President Roosevelt. I remember watching a particular show, I think it was, uh, called uh, I Nearly Survived, or one of those survival shows where they uh, reenact uh, people's life experiences where they nearly died, but they uh, eventually survived the uh, ordeal that they were in. And this particular one, they were interviewing people who were on uh, an airplane that began to have engine trouble, engine failure. And this plane, it began to... Uh, descend from its height and everybody on the plane knew for sure they were about to crash and they were about to die but then all of a sudden the plane regains control again and they go back up but then uh, moments later it loses control again and it starts to descend and go down again and again the people thought for sure this plane is going down it is going to crash we are done but again it regained control, went back up again. Well, this happened time and time and time again. Over and over again, it began to repeat this cycle of going down and then regaining control and coming back up again. And during this particular interview, they were uh, interviewing and asking the people on this plane questions, but this is what a lot of them said. They said, we finally got to the point <laughs> in that ordeal well, we would just rather the plane go down already. Okay? Even though we are here, even though we survived it, we got to the point that we just wanted to crash already. We wanted to be done with it already. In other words, the fear of death was worse than death itself. Okay? The fear of death... <laughs> See, when they were going down and they believed they were about to die, that was a fear of death that they had. And because it kept going down and going up again, there's like, enough of this. <laughs> we would rather die already. We would rather crash already. We'd rather go down already. Why? Because the fear of death is worse than death itself. So believe it or not, there are a lot of things People fear more than they fear death. There was a particular study that was done a few years ago, but they asked people of their phobia what they feared the most. And contrary to popular belief or opinion, the fear of death was actually number two. Okay? Out of all the things that people fear the most, the fear of death was actually number two. You know what the number one fear was? Public speaking. <laughs> public speaking. What I'm doing right now. Okay, well, it's really not public. It's virtual, but you get the idea. <laughs> public speaking was number one. Death was number two. That means that if you ever have to be at a funeral, you would much rather be eulogized than be the one giving the eulogy, in other words. <laughs> People fear public speaking more than they fear even death. So there are some things that people fear, fear more than death. But please, 
Make no mistake about it. The fear of death, it is what's on the minds of many people at this time. Perhaps like at no other time in our lives, the fear of death is what's on the minds of many right now at this time because of coronavirus. Because while we can avoid public speaking, I don't ever have to take a public speaking engagement. Okay, So while we can avoid the number one fear, public speaking, we know that death is unavoidable. We know that death is inevitable. And we know that death is even unpredictable. Which not only means that it is going to happen, should the Lord continue to tarry, death is going to happen, but it also means that we don't know when it will happen. And because we know it is going to happen, it is inevitable, and we don't know when it's going to happen, it brings on this sensation of fear. Fear has a way of gripping our hearts and gripping our minds, especially when we're faced with things like this, when we're faced with COVID-19 or we're diagnosed with cancer or a number of things that we could be faced with in this life and in this world, fear sets in. And it is the fear of death. Perhaps death to self or death to our loved ones even. So the question is this, the question we want to answer tonight is this, how are we as Christians, I'm talking to believers today, okay, now I hope some non-believers are watching, (laughs) I hope those who don't believe in Christ and have never given their life to Jesus are watching, but right now I'm talking to believers, I'm talking to Christians. The question is this, how are we as Christians, how are we as believers, how are we to deal with death? so that we don't fear it? That is the question. And so part four of our series called Minds of the Mind, I've simply been titled this particular one, The Shadow of Death. The Shadow of Death. Now I believe it is important before we get into this to define what death is to define what we are afraid of or what we ought to be afraid of. So death first appears in the Bible in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, if not, we're going to have it up here on screen for you. But go with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 16, this is the very first time death shows up in Scripture or in the Bible. And we know the story in Verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying this, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. All the trees that I have planted in the garden, you are free to eat from any one of them. He says in verse 17, though, But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. This is the first time death is mentioned or shows up in Scripture. God gives this command to Adam and Eve that out of all the trees that I planted, you are free to eat, except for this one in the midst of the garden, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat from it, for the day you eat of this tree, dying you shall surely die die. Now we know the rest of the story. We know that the snake came up, started talking to the woman. The woman was deceived. She ate from that tree. She also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate from that tree as well. But then they went on and lived many years. (laughs) Bible says they had many kids and lived many years. They didn't die. Or did they? Did they die? You see, we can look at that story and say, well, God must have been lying. (laughs) Because God said that if they ate from this tree, they would die. They ate from the tree, they didn't die. They lived for many years, they had many children, they went on. And so, was God lying? No. You have to know and understand what death means. You have to understand the definition of death. Death simply means 
separation. Okay? That is what death means. Death means separation, which means, yes, there is a physical death, but that also means that there is also a spiritual death. Because death simply means separation. You say, well, what is the difference? What is the difference between a physical death and a spiritual death? Well, a physical death is when my spirit separates from my body. That is a physical death, when my spirit separates from my body. You know, the reason why this shirt that I have on is moving right now is because I'm in it. <laughs> I'm in this shirt. And because I am in the shirt, this shirt is moving its arms up and down. But when I get home and I separate my body from this shirt, this shirt, guess what? This shirt will fall to the ground and will not move again. <laughs> in the same way, that is physical death. The reason why our bodies are moving and breathing and living and functioning is because we are in our bodies. That is our spirit, who we really are, whom God has created us to be. Our spirit lives in our bodies, therefore our bodies move. But the day is going to come when our spirit will be separated from our body. And when that happens, our bodies will drop dead. That is a physical death. But just like my spirit can separate from my body, causing physical death, what spiritual death is when God's spirit separates from us. When God's spirit separates from our spirit, God calls that death. That is a spiritual death, the separation of the Spirit of God from the Spirit of man. And that's what God was talking about. When God said, if you eat from this tree, dying, you will surely die, that is the death he was talking about. He was not talking about physical death, although that would be a result of spiritual death, and it would come later on. That is not what he was referring to. What he was referring to was spiritual death. Adam, you eat from this tree, you sin, you disobey me, my spirit will separate from your spirit. And that is exactly what happened. And it is that that God calls death. Do you realize that what we call death, God doesn't call death? What we call death, God does not call death. Y'all remember the story, the little girl, she had died. You know, they were there mourning, funeral and all. Jesus comes to the scene and he says, don't worry for she is just sleeping. <laughs> they begin to mock him. They begin to make fun of him. They begin to clown him. I mean, look at this guy. He doesn't know the difference between somebody being dead and somebody sleeping. <laughs> no, because God doesn't call what we call death, death. He doesn't call it. He calls it sleeping. Give you another example. Remember when Lazarus died? <laughs> he goes to his disciples and says, hey, we need to go see about Lazarus for he is sleeping. What did the disciples say? We'll say, well, if he is sleeping, let's leave him alone. <laughs> if he's sleeping, I mean, he's sick. We heard he was sick. We heard he wasn't doing well. So if he's sleeping, that's a good thing. Let's leave him alone. Maybe he'll get better. Jesus said, oh, I'm sorry. Let me put it in your language. He's dead. Okay, <laughs> He's dead. Now, to me, he's not dead. To me, he's sleep. Okay, Because I don't call that death. <laughs> but to you guys, he's dead. So let me put it in a language you understand. To you, he's dead. So that's why we're going to go and see about our boy Lazarus. Because God doesn't call death what we call death. That's why throughout Scripture, the New Testament, you will hear of Paul describing death as those who fell asleep. Those who have fallen asleep. Why? Because God doesn't call death what we call death. What God calls death is not physical death. What God calls death is spiritual death. 
Spiritual death is what God refers to as death. That's why in the book of Revelation, the lake of fire is called the second death. When everyone who wasn't written in the Lamb's book of life is thrown into the lake of fire, God calls that the second death. Well, what was the first death? When they died physically? No. The first death was what happened in the garden. The first death was what happened in the garden. The first time the Spirit of God separated from the Spirit of man, that was the first death. God says it's going to happen again at the end, at the final judgment. Therefore, that will be the second death. The second time the Spirit of God will separate from the Spirit of man forever. Those who are not found in Jesus Christ. So what death do people experience then? Well, there are four, I believe. There may be more, but there are at least four different kinds or types of death that are described in the Bible. Okay, There are four that we want to talk to you today about. I want to start off with just three out of the four and save the last one for the end, okay? So the three out of the four that I want to discuss briefly is this, death in the beginning, death in the end, and death at the final, okay? Death in the beginning, the end, and at the final. What do we mean by that? Well, there is a death at the beginning of birth, There is a death at the end of life, and then there is a death at the final judgment. Those three. Let's talk about the first one. The Bible says that we were all born into sin. We were all born into sin. David said, in sin I was conceived. I came forth in sin. Now, it doesn't mean that um, the consummation of a marriage or uh, sexual activity between a man and a woman in marriage is sin. That's not what he's talking about. What he is simply saying is this. When Adam sinned, everybody in Adam sinned, okay? which includes everybody because we all came from Adam and Eve. So when Adam sinned and became a sinful being, Everybody in Adam's sin, which means when he produced children, he passed on the sinful nature to them. They passed on the sinful nature to their children, their children to theirs and on and on and on and on until it got to your parents. And guess what? Your parents pass it on to you and you pass it on to your children. (laughs) So the Bible says we were all born into sin Therefore, we were all born dead. Now, you may have been born alive physically, but you were born dead spiritually. That is separated from the spirit of God. That's why Paul tells us you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Before you came to Christ, before you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were dead. That is, separated from Almighty God. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. You were born into sin, and this is the reason why you must be born again. (laughs) You know, people like to say, of course, many years back, I was born this way. I was born this way. I know you were born that way. We were all born this way because we were all born in sin. That's why we must be born again. Because we were born in sin and therefore we were born dead or separated from God because that's what sin does. That is what sin does. Sin separates Sin separates us from the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus said, or the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. And the soul that sins will surely die. Because that's what sin does. Sin separates. That's why when Jesus was on the cross and he cries out when it became uh, dark and, and broad daylight, And he cries out to the father and says, Father, why have you forsaken me? 
Why? Because he who knew no sin at that point became sin. And because he became sin, sin always separates us from God. And so at that particular time, he was separated because he became sin by bearing all the sins of the world upon his own shoulders. Why? Because sin separates. That's why in Isaiah 59.1, it says this. Look, it's not that God's ear is too heavy where he cannot hear you. That's not the problem. It's not that his arm is too short. He cannot save you. God didn't have T-Rex arms where he can't save. That's not, that's not it, okay? God says, it's not that my ear is deaf where I cannot hear. It's not that my arm is short where it cannot save. He says, no, but your sin has separated you from me. Your sin has become a barrier or a buffer between you and me because sin always separates us from God. So all experience death at the beginning of birth. When you are born, you are born into sin. Therefore, you are born separated from the spirit of God and therefore must be born again. So all will experience that first type of death, death at the beginning of birth. Most will experience death at the end of life. And I say most because we know there are stories of those who didn't see the end of their life. Namely, a man named Enoch and one named Elijah. Both Enoch and Elijah did not see the end of the life. The Bible says about Enoch, he walked with God, and because he had this testimony that he pleased God, God called him up. Enoch got his own personal rapture where he did not see death. He did not see the end of his life where he was caught up. Same thing happened with Elijah. And the same thing the Bible says is going to happen with the rapture of the church. When Jesus comes back in the clouds, we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so there may be some who won't see the end of their life and therefore won't see this particular death. So while all experience death at the beginning of birth, most experience death at the end of life. <laughs> and those who do will go through a physical death. That is when your spirit will separate from your body. The Bible speaks of this in a few places. I'll just give you a few. But in the book of James, James says that this life is but a vapor. Life is but a vapor. You're here today, gone tomorrow. Jesus once gave a parable of a man who had so much wealth, he had to tear down old barns, build greater barns. And then he said, the angel of the Lord came to him and says, you fool, this day your soul will be required of you. Paul talks about this. He says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He also says it has been appointed unto man once to die and then after that uh, the judgment. So all of these are speaking of a physical death. All of these scriptures are speaking of the time when your spirit will separate from your body. But this is the death you really should be concerned with. This third death. This third one is the one that you ought to fear. If you're going to fear any death, fear this one. <laughs> if you're going to be concerned, overly concerned about any death, fear this third one that the Bible talks about. Or the second time the Spirit of God is taken away from the Spirit of man. And that is at the final judgment. And the reason why you ought to fear this one, if you're going to fear a death, is because when the Spirit of God is separated from man and this final judgment, it will be permanent. It will be permanent. There will be no going back, no return of the Spirit of God after that time. It's found in the book of Revelation. If you still have your Bibles open, go with me to Revelation 20. Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 12, we read about this third type of death found in Scripture. It says in verse 12, And I saw the dead, 
small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one, according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, and here it is, this is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Anyone who is not found in the book of life, the Bible says you will experience the second death. You will experience this type of death where the spirit of God is separated from you forever. So if you're going to be afraid of a death, be afraid of this one. (laughs) If you're going to be overly concerned about a death, this is the one you need to fear the most because this is the one that will be permanent. But while we cannot avoid initial death nor physical death, there is a way to avoid experiencing this one. The second death that the Bible talks about in Revelation and the third death as well. And it is by this last one that the Bible speaks of. So if you're taking notes, you have now the initial death that we all experience the physical death that most will experience, the spiritual death that those who are not found in Christ will experience, but this is the one that saves you from death altogether, and that is the carnal death. The carnal death. The word carnal means worldly, fleshly, sinful, or of this world. And just like of all those other deaths, this is a death that is described in the Bible as well. But this is the one that you absolutely need the most. If you're still in Revelation 20, back up to verse 6. Back up to verse 6 in Revelation 20 and watch what it says. It says, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. God is describing the second death where everybody who's not found in the Lamb's book of life is thrown into the lake of fire where they are separated from the Spirit of God for all of eternity. But before that, he tells you how you can avoid that. There is a way where this second death that God is describing in Revelation will have absolutely no power over you. No death really will have any power over you. So God gives us a way where we can avoid experiencing death altogether. And that is by this fourth death, carnal death. By simply being willing to die to sin and be born again. That is the way that we can uh, avoid experiencing death. By simply being willing to die to sin and be born again. Paul speaks of this particular death in Romans 6, 1. Romans 6, 1, they had the same question that I'm sure you've probably had in your life if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time. But it was a question concerning grace. They knew and understood by the teachings of Paul that it was by grace that they had been saved. It's by grace that we have been saved. And so they were thinking then, like many people think now, well, does that mean I can do whatever I want? Does that mean I can live however I want? Does that mean I should live a sinful lifestyle in order for grace to abound even more? Should I do that? Well, they had that same question way back then. And so Paul addresses that. And in Romans 6.1, he says this. He answers that question with a question. (laughs) He says in Romans 6.1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. (laughs) Heaven forbid, may it not be so. And then he asks this question here. He says, how shall we who 
die to sin. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Paul is simply saying, if you truly came to Christ, if you truly gave your life to Jesus Christ, that means that you actually experienced a carnal death where you die to sin. You died from the direction that you were in and the way in the ways of this world that you were going. You died to sin. So if you truly died to sin, how can you live any longer in sin? He is simply addressing that particular question with a question of his own. And he's talking about this fourth death, carnal death, where every person who wants to avoid experiencing the other deaths, he says, you need to experience this death. You need to be willing to die to Satan, to self, to sin, and to the ways of this world, and be born again that you may be made all over again. That way you never have to experience death again. When we are born again, we are born and made anew. We have a new nature. God gives us a new heart. He puts a new spirit in us. But he gives us this promise that we never have to experience death again as long as we have experienced that carnal death. As long as we were willing to die to sin and be born again, God says you don't have to worry about experiencing death again. When that happens, when you experience this, this carnal death where you die to sin, you don't have to worry about death. You don't have to doubt about God keeping you from death. You don't have to fear about dying. Why? Because you will never experience what many fear the most. There are so many people out there right now who are petrified in fear. They are scared to death of them dying. They're scared to death of their loved ones dying. But God says if you experience this fourth death, this carnal death, where you die to sin and you're born again, you never have to worry about experiencing what many fear the most. And the one reason why you don't ever have to worry about it is because you're, you are immortal until it is your time to die. Right? Now you are immortal. When you give your life to Jesus, when your life is placed in the hands of Almighty God, it is in God's obligation and responsibility to keep you. Okay? That means that nothing can happen to you that God doesn't allow to happen to you. I mean, this is what David tells us in Scripture. He says, God, all the days that you ordained for me, all of them were written in your book even before there was one. Even before I was born, all the days that you had for me, they were already ordained before there was one. And what is true of David is true of you and I as well. Listen, my expiration date didn't change just because of the coronavirus. Okay? The coronavirus did not take God by surprise. Oh no, I don't know what to do now. Neil may catch it and die. No. God knows my end from the beginning. All of my days already have been numbered. So whether the coronavirus came or not, it is an appointment that I won't be early, I won't be late, I will make. My expiration date, your expiration date did not change just because of the coronavirus. Because all of your days, just like David said, have been numbered already. And you are immortal until that day. <laughs> we saw this last week when we talked about the two witnesses. The two witnesses that God is going to send during the seventh week of Daniel, the Bible says they're going to prophesy and speak on behalf of God for three and a half years. And during that three and a half years, no one will be able to touch them. 
No one will be able to come against them and prevail. No one will be able to kill them. They're going to try. They're going to want to, just like they killed every other prophet that was sent to them. They're going to try and kill these two prophets as well, but they won't be able to do it. Why? Because it won't be time for them to die. God has the power to keep you once you place your life in his hands. And when you place your life in his hands, you are immortal until he says your time is up. Listen, it is not you keeping you. It's God who's keeping you. Now, I am so glad it's not me keeping me alive. If keeping me alive was up to me, I'd be scared of death too. (laughs) If it was my responsibility to keep Neil alive, (laughs) I would be scared of death as well. Because there's only so much I can do. Look, you you can wash your hands all day, every day. You can wipe everything down, uh, keep your distance. You can do all that, and you should be doing all that. But this thing is microscopic. (laughs) And if you are depending on you to catch every single crevice and corner and nook and cranny, you ought to be fearful of death. (laughs) But that's not my responsibility to keep me alive. Now, I'm responsible. I'm I'm. Uh, wise, I'm taking precaution, I'm being uh, careful, I'm doing everything in my power, but at the end of the day, it is not me who's keeping me. It is not me who's keeping me alive. It is God who is keeping me alive. It is God who is keeping my loved ones alive. And so I put my trust and my hope and my faith in him and in him alone. And he says, once you die to sin and you are born again, you've just placed your life in my hands. Isn't that what the the song that's gone viral now? People are singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's in control. He is sovereign over all things. And so you can rest assured, you can trust in the sovereignty and the power and in the authority of Almighty God. If you have died to sin and have been born again, your life has been placed in his hands. And therefore, you should not have to fear death. Not only because of that reason, but because of what God did do. Death has no power over you anyway. Okay? You need to understand that. You need to get that. I know we're getting ready for Holy Week, and we may talk a little bit more about that later on, but because of what Jesus Christ did do, death no longer has any power over you. Paul says this about it. He, he looks at death and he says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? (laughs) It has been swallowed up. It has been defeated by Jesus Christ, the cross, and him being crucified on it. Death no longer has a sting to the believer or those who are found in Christ Jesus. You've heard this story before, but the father and son were riding a car with the windows open. All of a sudden, a bee flies into the car. The little boy begins to scream, Dad, Dad, help, there's a bee in here, there's a bee, it's going to sting me, it's going to sting me. The dad pulls the car over and he all of a sudden catches the bee in his hand. (laughs) And he waits a little while and then he opens up his hand and he lets the bee go. The bee begins to buzz around and fly around again and the uh, kid says again, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? Why'd you let him go? The bee, he's going to sting me. He's going to sting me. He's going to hurt me. The father says, son, relax, relax, relax. Let me show you something. <laughs> he opens up his hand. He shows him the, the palm of his hand. And in the palm of his hand is the stinger of the bee. <laughs> and he says, look, son, that bee only has one stinger. <laughs> that bee can only sting one time. And I took the sting for you. <laughs> I've already taken the sting of death for you so you don't have to worry about it. I don't care how much it's flying around. I don't care how much it's buzzing. I don't care even if it lands on you. That bee can no longer hurt you. Why? Because I've taken care of the sting for you. 
God, the Bible says in Revelation that God still has the nail prints in his hands. <laughs> As a matter of fact, doubting Thomas, he said, I won't believe it unless I put my finger in the prints of his hands. God still has the nail prints of his hands uh, in his hands as a testimony of what he has done for us. You know, you think about that. The Bible says that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. But then he was raised anew with a glorified body. Everything was restored except for the wound in his side and the, hand, and the uh, prints in his hand. Why is that? So that you may have an everlasting testimony of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And just like that father showed his son the stinger in the palm of his hands, God wants to show you the nail prints in his hand to let you know he has already taken care of death for you. He's already defeated death, hell, and the grave for you. I don't care how much death buzzes around you. I don't care how much it flies in your face. I don't care even if it lands on you. Death has no power over you any longer because of what Jesus Christ has done. That's why David says in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through death. Is that what he said? No. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David calls it a shadow of death. Why does he call it a shadow? Well, what is a shadow? A shadow is something that looks real, but isn't. <laughs> A shadow is something that looks real, but isn't. You ever meet a kid who is afraid of their shadow? <laughs> they try and run away from their shadow because they look down and they see somebody else coming after them. They're scared to death of their shadow. Why? Because it looks real, even though it isn't real. David calls that death. <laughs> it is simply a shadow of what it used to be. It is simply a shadow, a mirage of the power it used to have. That is, until Jesus Christ came and took care of death, hell, and the grave for us. And so now, with those who are found in Christ, because you have died to sin, and because you have been born again, God wants you to know that death no longer has any power over you. No longer. Jesus gives us this promise in John 11, 25. John 11, 25, Jesus says this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked the question. Do you believe this? Do you believe what I just said? Do you believe that those who believe in me, although they might die physically, will never die, who they really are? And do you believe those who are alive when I come back will never even experience that kind of death? Do you believe that? What's going to determine whether or not you fear death is whether or not you believe that. <laughs> if you fear death right now it could be an indication that you really don't believe Jesus you really don't believe his word you really don't believe his promise you really don't believe what he just said if you fear death <laughs> then it's an indication perhaps that you don't believe what Jesus just said or you need God to help your unbelief. <laughs> and we can give you that one as well. I don't want to discredit the fear of death like it's not real. I know it's real in a lot of lives, a lot of minds of people. But even though that's how you are, that's not how you have to be. You may fear death right now, but you don't have to fear death. And God wants to move you beyond the fear of death. And so he gives us this word. He gives us this promise and says, if you Believe in me. If you are in me and I'm in you, you will never again experience death. Do you believe this? And simply put, what Jesus was saying is this. If you are born once, you will die twice. Eh? <laughs> if you are born once, 
you will die twice. You will die a physical death at the end of your life, and you will die a permanently spiritual death at the final judgment. If you are born once, (laughs) you will die twice. And so therefore, you should be afraid of death. However, if you are born twice, (laughs) you will only die once. (laughs) If you are born twice, means you are born physically from Adam through Adam, but then you are born again through the second or last Adam, Jesus Christ. If you are born twice, born again, you only die once. And you may not even experience that death. (laughs) Listen, even if you experience a physical death, it's not you that's experiencing it. It's your body that's experiencing it. Let me repeat that. (laughs) Even if you go through a physical death when your spirit leaves your body, it's not even you that's experiencing the death. It's your body that's experiencing the death. You won't be dead long enough to even know what death feels like. (laughs) You remember Stephen when he was being stoned? And he looks up and he says, I see the Lord standing. (laughs) Not sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is standing. He is ready to receive you out of this world. Your last breath here is your first breath there. (laughs) You won't be dead long enough to even know what death feels feels like. It is not you experiencing the physical death. It is your body that you're leaving behind that's going to experience the death. But death no longer has any power over those who are found in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul says to die is gain. (laughs) To die is gain. To die is something I'm looking forward to. Because Christians really don't die at all. Christians don't die. Once you die that carnal death, once you die that death, that death to sin, that's the last death you'll ever experience. (laughs) Christians do not die. We simply change locations. (laughs) Now, that's all that happens to us. We don't die. We simply change locations. (laughs) We go from this world to the next. And it is so quick, it is so fast, you don't even know it when it happens to you. So no, I am not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of dying. Now, how I die, that's another concern. (laughs) How I die, that's something I may be a little concerned about, you know. Uh, I I hope that God calls me in my sleep. That's what I'm waiting on. (laughs) If that's an option, I'll take that. (laughs) Or something instantly take me out of here. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to go through anything just like you. But as far as if I'm going to die or when I'm going to die, absolutely no fear of that. No fear of that at all whatsoever because I believe in God's word. I believe in the promise that he made. And he said, you will never die. Death no longer has any power over you. I've already taken care of the sting of death for you. So you never again have to worry or fear what you will never experience. So I'm not afraid of it because I know I will never die. I will never die. And if you are found in Christ Jesus, you will never die. So stop fearing what you will never experience. Stop experiencing what your loved ones who are in Christ will never experience. If God calls me home, I know my loved ones will be okay. It's not me taking care of them. It's God who's taking care of us. So my loved ones will be okay. And I know if they're in Christ, they'll be right behind me. (laughs) Should they go before I go, I'm right behind them. We will never die. So my challenge to you this uh, evening, God's challenge to all of us is this, I believe. As we walk through the valley of the shadow of death during this coronavirus, 
pandemic, with your diagnosis of cancer, or with any other thing that you are faced with in this world, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, remember that it's just a shadow. (laughs) That's the challenge. As we walk through this life and as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, just keep in mind, remember, it's just a shadow. It's just a mirage. You will never experience what many fear the most. Amen? As we close this particular portion of our service today, we want to give you now an opportunity and I'm going to speak into the camera. I'm going to speak to those who are watching online. We want to give you an opportunity now to make some decisions in light of what you have now heard. <clears throat> now, I've just shown you through the word of God the promises that God has made to all those who are found in him. All those who believe in him and are willing to call upon his name. All those who are willing to die to self, to Satan, to sin, and to the ways of this world. All those who are willing to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you may be born again. God has just revealed to us that death has no power over you any longer. You never have to fear what you will never experience again. But if you have never done that, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never put your trust and your hope in his hands and his hands alone, then be afraid. Be very afraid. If you've been relying on you to keep you, If you've been relying on you to save you by being a good person, you can't be good enough. The Bible says that there is none that are good. No, not even one. For we have all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. God's glory, God's standard is perfection. And unless you are perfect, you've already failed. So you can't do it by being a good person. And if you were trying to do it by going to church, guess what? We can't go to church right now. (laughs) So that's not how you do it. Can't pray enough. Can't read your Bible enough. Can't give enough. Can't serve enough. Can't do anything enough. All you can do is put your life in the hands of the one who's done it for you. Jesus Christ who came to this world as sinful man, yet without sin. He who knew no sin, the Bible says, was willing to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him simply by calling upon his name. So God has revealed himself to you tonight. He's revealed himself to you by his word, And through his spirit, and right now through the airways, he is knocking at the door of your heart. He is speaking to you, and you hear his voice loud and clear, which means right now you only have one of two options. You can open up the door of your heart and let him in, or you can continue to suppress the truth that you now know and reject him. But either way, everyone here will make a decision. What will you do with what you now know? My prayer for you tonight is that you will make the decision to die to sin, to experience this fourth death, this carnal death, where you die to sin, that you may be saved and set free from sin from its power and its penalty of your life. That you may be born again, born brand new, have all of your sins, past, present, and even future sins, forgiven, atoned for, 
because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Christ. And all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and believe in your heart. And he says you will be saved and you will never again experience death so you never again have to fear it. So my prayer for you today is that you will make that decision wherever you are. Just call upon the name of the Lord and say, Lord, I believe. I believe in you. I'm, tr- I'm putting my trust in you. I'm transferring the security of my salvation and my eternity from my hands and anything else that I've done. And I'm simply putting it in your hands. It is by grace alone unmerited favor. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. I can't pay for it or work for it. It is simply a free gift that I can receive simply by believing in you. And I do that at this time. If you do that, the Bible says that God will come in. He will take out that heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh. He will give you a new heart. He will put a new spirit in you. You will have a new nature, the God nature. And he will begin to mold you and conform you to the very image of his own son. So make the decision today to give your life to Christ so you never have to fear death again. I want to speak to the church as well. If you are found in Christ, you are blood-bought, spirit-filled on your way to heaven, rejoice in that. But also Live like it. Act like it. Don't act like the rest of this world when problems and troubles come along. No, the Bible says that we ought to have an answer for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let's walk in confidence. Let's walk in assurance. Let's walk boldly, preaching and proclaiming the hope that we have so that others may ask us, why aren't you afraid of this? Why aren't you hoarding all kinds of things like everybody else? Why aren't you acting like everybody else? So that we may be able to give them the hope that we have in Christ Jesus as well. So if you are saved, if your life is in the hands of Almighty God, that is the safest place that you can be. He will protect you. He will keep you. And you will never experience death. It has been our honor and our privilege to be able to serve you all in this way. We always look forward to doing it. And we pray that it has been a blessing to you. Before we let you go or before we begin to uh, take some questions that you guys may have asked, we want to uh, encourage you and give you an opportunity to continue to worship God even in your giving. God has given us this opportunity uh, to reach the world now, to reach the masses Uh, through this coronavirus because it has caused us to step up our game and to do things that we really weren't uh, planning on doing for a while, but now we were forced to do it and we are grateful to God that we are able to do it now. But it is because of the prayers of the people, it is because of the faithfulness of those who are willing to give of their time, of their talent, and yes, of their treasure, of their resources as well. So we want to give you an opportunity to continue to give to this ministry. If this ministry is blessing you, if this ministry is encouraging you, if it is thoroughly equipping you for every good work and giving you strength and revealing to you the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of God that is giving you power and authority and victory, then we ask that you continue to be a blessing unto us that we may continue to bless you through this ministry. So we've made it easy. We've been working on some things right now. And so we've actually um, um, come about with a, a website. We haven't had a website, uh, but we created a website just to make sure we at least had a launching pad to do these two things, for you to be able to watch these services and you be able to give to this, this ministry as well. So if you're not on our website right now, our website is believechurchcc.cc, believechurch.cc, okay? Go to believechurch.cc, you will see two buttons, watch now and give now. 
you click on Give Now, you will see all the different ways that you're able to give and bless this ministry, either by downloading the Easy Tithe app or uh, text to give or uh, mailing to our P.O. box or even coming uh, Sunday morning between 10.30 and 11 a.m. to drop it off. Uh, we give you different ways where you can continue to be a blessing to us so that we may continue to be a blessing to you. And we hope that you will take us up on that, that we may continue to do the work of the Lord that he has called us to do uh, for our good and his glory. So that's what we want to leave you with. And um, before we close in prayer, we want to see, were there any questions that we had? No questions. Okay, so we didn't have any questions now. So we're going to go ahead and just dismiss with a word of encouragement and a prayer. And then we're going to let you go. And we hope that you tune in uh, next time. We're going to be continuing our series uh, this Sunday called The Sealed Revealed, where we've been studying the book of Daniel and the end of days. We're taking a journey through the 70th week of Daniel, what uh, is referred to the tribulation. We're actually going to be looking at the great tribulation this Sunday, the last three and a half years of this seven-year period. So I believe it's going to be uh, great. It's going to encourage you and embolden your faith and hopefully spur you on to continue to be busy about your father's business while we still have uh, time and opportunity to do so. So let me pray for you. Wherever you are, just lift your hands to heaven, receive the blessing or benediction, and then we'll be dismissed. Precious Lord, we do thank you so much for this time that you've given us to gather in your name and in your presence, to hear, to know, to understand, and to believe why we as your people never have to worry, doubt, or fear this thing called death. Because if we've already experienced carnal death, dying to sin, and being born again, we will never again experience what many fear the most. So I speak this word of encouragement over your people. I speak this blessing to your bride, to your saints, God, and I pray all those who've been called according to your name and your purposes, may we live as such and accordingly that the fear of death or anything else will never again be able to grip our hearts and our minds, but we will walk in peace and in joy with our minds and our eyes stayed on you. So we pray, God, that you will keep us, you will protect us, you will provide all that we need according to your riches and glory. And as you do, we will be careful to give you and you alone all of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray and ask these things and all of God's people said together, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time. We love you.